Hello and welcome to Thundercut Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tima Albus Daily, and we are back to preview the 2024 F2 and F3 season. And when I say we, I mean Mr. Jesse Billington and myself. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Busy, busy Monday as usual. It's press day for me in my normal day job, but um, otherwise ready to look at some F2 and certainly some F3. And there is an awful potential in, at the very least, Formula 2 this year. And it's really quite exciting. We're going to have a quick look at the lineup and then the other bits of news that have come out of the world of that feeder series as we go on. But I'm kind of running here who stands out. And a lot of drivers do stand out this year. And whereas in previous years, there have been one or two perhaps where we would earmark them for a run at the championship. This year, there's still one or two, but it's really also not quite that simple and there's potentially six or seven others it's, that could all be well in with a shout it's tricky to try and pick out who's who's going to be in that title fight because i for the vast just majority so of it, it's really good like <laughs> yeah. looking at like the first sort of six teams or so we've got written down it's mm-hmm. good so we'll start at the top we'll start with art i think that i've got the champions here which, written which down fun fact art i have written it in messages on my phone so much that when i actually try and use the word art it, it corrects it to art <laughs> mm, fun um yeah ART, i think i've written these out in uh constructors or teams championship order from last year so we'll start with art who have retained victor martins and they have got zach o'sullivan joining them he was the vice champion in f3 last year very strong driver very competitive and a worthy driver to move up i think from f3 one of the few seasons one of the few drivers who in 2022 didn't move into f2 for 2023 he decided to stay there for another season yes, and yeah. it worked out quite well for him because he got a good bit of value experience there and i think again potential looking for the championship there because we know rookies can do quite well there but so is Victor Martins because he's been around for a couple of seasons now and it's that third season potentially that he wants to try I think he's in now second season uh, oh, second he season, was a rookie in F2 last year even more reason for him to be looking for the title this year there because he was that good last year that he made me think he was in his second season so that's an exciting prospect and we're only on the first team yeah so uh, really interesting stuff there Prema is uh, the second constructor on our list and they've got again a really strong lineup of Oli Behrman and Kimi Antonelli Antonelli famous at this point for jumping F3 from Freca to join F2 with Mercedes backing and Oli Behrman has got obviously Ferrari Driver Academy backing and he's linked to Haas as well I want to say so, now yeah. yeah so Both he is in Mexico last year I think yeah he is a driver that has got a lot of recognition with some of the big F1 teams so so, um, I had drivers. a very memorable season last year and think back to back season, in particular yeah. when he was fighting Vesti and Vesti was kind of unprepared for that in some ways because he was so close and everything else that Behrman came out of nowhere with that nice overtaking to I think turn four or five where you're not really used to overtaking happening and everyone watching is kind of sat up and went, ooh, mm. he's doing quite, we need to pay attention to him. Yes, yeah, the little bear boy is quite feisty on track. And Kimi Antonelli is very much an unproven concept, but has already been mm. earmarked for that Mercedes seat in 2025. So um, there'll be a lot of eyes by on you, mainly. By, by me, a lot of other magazines and titles and podcasts have also done the same. A lot of them, are, much like me, are being quite optimistic. I will also be surprised. I... I don't know, if you're Mercedes, you're coming out of a slump, you've just lost your big driver, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for the gamble. We'll wait and see what happens there. But um, yeah, again, really strong driver lineup. Both of them could be certainly in for a fight for the title. I wouldn't be surprised if Antonelli is up there, really scrapping away. He might tail off towards the end of the season because it's quite an intense one for F2. I don't think but... he'll get the championship, but he'll definitely be up for it. And I think he'd be one of those drivers where if other drivers around and make mistakes... It'd be very odd if he's not there to try and capitalise on them at the very least. Yeah, he'll certainly be in that realm of things. Third team on the list, Rodan, no longer Rodan Carlin, just Rodan. They got a second part to their name, haven't they? I think we've mentioned it somewhere else in the renaming uh, shuffle. Yeah, Rodan Motorsports, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, because yep. uh, of course Trevor Carlin and his family have left the team, um, but they've got the very interesting driver lineup of Zayn Maloney, everyone's favourite Barbudan boy, and Rotomo Miata who was the 2023 Super Formula champion. And I think courtesy of last year... with potential here. Yeah, courtesy of last year and the inclusion of Liam Lawson on the F1 grid, proving just how much of a sort of cooking pot of talent Super Formula actually is. Ritomo Miata's the guy that beat Liam Lawson last year to this team for the championship, essentially. And you've got to bear in mind just how good Liam Lawson was when he came into F1 Mm -hmm. off the back of 
Daniel Ricardo's wrist becoming a bit ouchy all of a sudden, and he was able to absolutely sort of shine. So just ret- another thing, just referring back to our previous podcast episode in terms of David Malukas cycling or F1 accidents, it's always the wrists at the moment. It's wrists. They don't it's- seem to do anything else. It's just wrists. I won't make a joke Lance about my favorite pastime. Yeah, I won't make a joke about my favorite pastime and that being wrist intensive. I think it's easy enough to jump to conclusions. We don't on that need one. to talk about your knitting career here, do we? Really? I think we're just more on about Zane Maloney because he's also a driver that I feel like I don't know if I want to include him in championship potential, but he feels like a driver that's got a point to prove, and I think that's where Miata is as well in terms he's, of I've just won this championship. I'm you know what drivers this from this category can do. I want to win this because again the potential there to jump into an F1 team for 25 or 26. If you're looking to keep the Japanese happy at Aston Martin, but Yuki is either not available or you don't want him. You've got a perfect option here. Yeah. Um, Equally, um, Miata is dabbling in European Le Mans series, something on that. He's got an endurance drive on the side as well. And I want to say Maloney's got some ties to Formula E at the moment as well. Yeah. Andretti, I want to say. I think you're very much correct there. He's tied to their Formula E team as their test and reserve driver. So, yeah, two very talented drivers that have been sort of poached by other series and other teams and other outfits. Potentially the first underdog team for this year. In terms yeah. Of, there's an unknown quantity here in some ways and also a point to prove. And we know that from previous years that they are a team that, whilst don't always have it completely together, they can do. Yeah. And it, when that, the opportunity they arises, don't do badly. Yeah, when the opportunity arises, they can really snatch something out of sort of complete despair, which is quite interesting. Moving on to Lucas Oil Dams, which is just Dams but renamed. Um, they've gone for the double American lineup of Correa and Crawford, which again is interesting. Correa certainly another driver with things to prove. Jack Crawford as well, Jackie Moon. This will be his second year in F two, and again a fair amount to prove like why he's why he's still here why he's still fighting for titles and what's his next step i think career has that a bit as well obviously he's career got interrupted for obvious reasons but he seems potentially the ralph boshong replacement in terms of i'm going to be here until i make this work but hopefully more successful than boshong in making that step up into maybe not formula one but i'd be interested to see him in indycar i can see him doing very well driver and it wouldn't be the first time that that's happened either, as we've seen with many F2 drivers over the last few years. And I think this is a team where, again, a little bit like Rodin, a lot of potential there, potential underdogs, both solid enough drivers. I mean, they wouldn't... I feel like they've both proven enough over the last however many years in both F2 and F3 that they are solid enough drivers and they deserve to be there on the talent base rather than it just being trying to make up the numbers and we can get one cheap or something like this. I think they both have enough desire and passion to be there for very different reasons mm. next on our list is Invicta uh, it used to be Invicta Virtuosi it's now, is it now just Invicta mm-hmm. I think yeah it's it gone, again it's yeah. another one that's gotten rid of a bit of its team they've name. had a soft reset on terms of social media and everything and they've really gone for a whole new look and we talked about this a little bit in the delivery episode but they have the best livery it's, it's a good looking set of liveries it's a good looking set of liveries. Uh, they've also got the driver lineup of Bortoletto and Miney. So Kush Miney is retained. The is he now linked with Alpine, isn't he? If I recall correctly, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and Gabriele Bortoletto, of course, the F3 champion from last year. So, um, hot competition there. Obviously, you've got the guy moving up, and you've got the guy that's really found his feet in F2 last season. Certainly, he became all of a sudden everyone went, Whoa, where the hell did Kush come from? If you take it back 12 months and you'd say this time. This year, we'd be saying Miney is potential to spoil the championship for someone. We'd be looking at you going, who spiked your drink? But when you say spoil the championship, he's going to crash into them and sort of ruin their race. Yeah. Well, okay, in that way, maybe I would have believed you, but more in this way, I'm meaning he could he's be going not to be necessarily a contender, but he can yeah. be there taking points away from everyone else because he's got nothing to lose and everything to gain from doing it. And also, He's found the talent to do that off his own back as well. It's not that he's yeah. looking into these things. He's well, again, he's really got an Alpine's attention. It's gone to their training camp with all the other drivers and is putting in the hard graft for it. And it appears to be paying off. And Bortoletto, saying McLaren have signed him up to their development program. And that's reflected in the livery because on the rear wing, it's got the, the McLaren logo on there. Mm. And again, he's an F3 champion. Be interesting to see if he goes more down Piastri's route of graduation from F3 to F2 or more Halgers, which which way he's going to go or somewhere in between. 
Mm. Speaking of Helga, he is up next with MP Motorsports, and uh, he's sat next to Colapinto. Colapinto came fourth in F3 last year, so again, a really solid performance. You've got to remember how tight at the top F3 was last year. There was a good scrap around the top end with a number of drivers competing for that crown. So Colapinto, despite coming fourth, not really one to be sniffed at. And going up against Dennis Helga, of sort of almost established too and really does have a point to prove like this is much like we were saying this is his third with, season now yeah much like we were saying with many of the drivers last year this is his final chance to really stake his name in this one and so I am a good driver please hire me in 2025 so plenty to watch for between these two drivers and certainly a lot to watch for in how Halga performs coming up against the title however we do have a slight fly in the ointment when it comes to VAR in terms of point of contention that I'm going to talk about. And I think you know where I'm going to come from. But we'll start with the good news at the start is that Fittipaldi is part of the team. I think another driver with a lot of potential hasn't quite been able to string it all together yet. And it feels like he's been in the sport for a long time. But I think this is just me getting F3 and F2 blended together a lot of the time. Also, and the fact that he's going to be another brother would have been making to... his way through those ranks. So you just sort of seen this going through it. And that wasn't um, like a third iteration of a young Fittipaldi starting out somewhere else in like a GB3 or like a Fretter or something. Very like, possible. There is a younger still Fittipaldi. So this whole problem is going to continue for like another sort of eight to 12 years. But yeah, the, the major problem here is the person who sat in the other VAR seat. And that is the lowest scoring of all of last year's F3 drivers. So for all the drivers that actually scored a point in F3, this fella comes at the bottom of the list. And it is. And I'm guessing by least amount of points, I'm guessing one. I, I believe it was maybe even two. I want to give credit where it's due. Cool. It could have been two. But I think it's it's Rafael Villa Gomez and, mm. the, and I argument, think the point I'm going to make here. Yeah, Sophia Flush. <laughs> it could have been anyone, to be fair. Anyone that's well, yeah, it could have been anyone, points. but I find it interesting that they are sign her for another season in F3 when she proves enough in that instance, especially in comparison to Villa Gomez, that out of the two of them, she would deserve that spot on the F2 grid with them way more than he would. Which again makes me think that somehow, despite her international status and sponsorship deals with people like Samsung, maybe she just didn't have the funds. But that just seems ridiculous, especially um, with the work Alpine are doing, and she's tied to the Alpine Academy. Exa- they would push exactly, and as far as more, Villa Gomez isn't tied with any teams, in turn, mm-hmm. any F one teams at least. So this is maybe this is this year's Kushmini. But at the same time, that doesn't happen very often, hence our massive surprise last year when it did. And I feel yeah. like that is that is the first of three drivers, I think, on the grid this year where I've got issues with it. And this is the most obvious one in terms of who you should have put there instead for me, because you, it just makes so much more sense. Yeah, you've got a driver that points-wise scored triple his points. Sophia Flosh was obviously seventh yeah. place in... Off the top of my head, it was and the arguably it's more of that because I'm still bitter because about Austria. You're still <laughs> bitter about the Austria feature race, but yeah, it should have been higher still. But yeah, this guy came 10th and 10th in Monza. And that was that was it. So, so, look at so it the going. very last round of the season as well. Yes, yeah. You sort of look at it going, okay, yeah, you scored two points. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it doesn't Some people have two seats. Don't you get more points for getting pole position? Yeah. Um, mm. So that one will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how well mm. they perform. Maybe. He's got a lot to prove. Yes. We're going to give him that chance to do it, to be fair. And if he does perform well, then we will, of course, do that. But right now, we're sitting here scratching our heads a little bit, thinking, okay. Yeah, if we get into the tail end of the F2 season and this guy's sort of somewhere around the midfield, I'll start baking some humble pie. But until then, he's got a lot to prove in a different way to Fittipaldi or Helga. It's sort of the opposite side of the scales of a lot to prove. Um, moving on to a different team, high tech, where we've got Amuri Cordiel and Paul Aaron. Paul Aaron, of course, third in F3 last year. Good driver, really good championship run against the other two at the top of the field. And Amuri Cordiel, again, a driver that's somehow somehow still there but do you know what somehow i've only just realized which you may have only just realized as well or you'll be about to be reminded about just looking at the rest of this list is that while we still have cordial he may have become the new nisani because nisani is no longer here 
I was looking through this list and going, hang on, there's a lot of interesting F2 names. There. I knew I was, I've been looking at this list. I was talking with Insider 2's the other day, and I was thinking, there's something interesting about this lineup, and I can't think what it is, and I've only just realised. Well, that was the thing, my brain was settling on it, going, oh, there's no Jack Dillon and there's no Ayumu Awasa. But then, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about Ralph Bottrell, because he's been there for ages and he's left. Cordelia, I was about to say, is like, oh, I'm curious as to why he's here, but. Because he's one of these drivers that he has flashes of interesting stuff. I mean, you look back at Abu Dhabi in 2022, he actually did a pretty decent job of things. But then last year, I don't remember anything in particular. So I was curious as to why he's with High Tech again this year. But now I'm just kind of stuck on Masani's not here anymore. Yeah. Mm. I don't know where he's gone. <laughs> that is a very good question. That is a very good question, indeed. Let's have a quick look through. You can't accuse us of not having original content on this podcast because that is genuine live reaction to realizing something that we should have known a while ago by just basically reading our own podcast notes. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, here's the interesting thing. Like, if you're an F1 driver or motorsports driver, generally speaking, your Wikipedia page sort of has the categories of sort of (laughs) your career. And then what you don't want for it to do is then go driving standards. <laughs> <laughs> I will read you from his Wikipedia page on Roy Nassani. Throughout his time in FIA Formula 2, Nassani's <laughs> racecraft has borne the brunt of criticism. This culminated in a chaotic 2022 season, which began when Richard Vashaw called for the Israeli driver to go choose another sport after the latter's defensive driving had caused a collision which ended the Dutchman's race in Bahrain. Another notable collision came at Silverstone, where Nisani received a five-place grid penalty, having forced Dennis Hauger off the track on the exit of the on the approach down towards Vale, which subsequently forced Hauger's car over the sausage curb on the inside of the corner, catapulting it onto the halo of Nisani's vehicle. Later in the year, that wasn't such a memorable moment and stood out to lots of people in the highlights reel at all. I, I saw it happen. It was incredible. Um, <laughs> later in the year, a collision with David Beckman at Zandvoort caused Nisani to be banned from the subsequent round as he had accrued 12 points across the campaign. Nisani once again amassed a number of penalty points during the subsequent campaign, sitting on nine penalty points after 12 rounds. Chief among his misdeeds proved to be a collision with Zay Maloney at Monza, where the Israeli spun his rival on the main straightaway, causing Maloney's car to impact the barriers heavily and earning Nisani tw- three penalty points. I, what's, his, what's his social media saying he's up? to has he put anything on let's check instagram there must be a way of finding out what roy nisani is doing these days uh 24 weeks ago back at it peace sign no clue what he's back at it in apparently it's a picture of an f2 car um the last thing i've got from him is from september of last year 23 weeks ago costa brava lunch hop Uh, Mm -hmm. and no stories no stories, nothing recent there. Possibly just being a little bit quiet on that front, which, if you're Roy Nassani at this point in time, is probably a good thing, especially if you look at... Um... Although, if you look at the tag section, there's something from five days ago where someone's on a profile on him. Championship standings, 21st. Championship points, zero. I'm guessing this is just a PHM. I'm not sure why this is being done, because Brad Benavides is also in this list, and he's also not there this year, so... That's not really relevant. Yeah. Um, mm. Anyway, um, mm. perhaps he's not it's just dark in revelation. Yeah, he's just he's gone quiet. He's done a Nicholas Latifi and vanished. Um, Although, if you go on news, you just scroll down ever so slightly. I think what is it the the fifth one down? It's a new story from twenty twenty. Oh, so there's not much we're going to get from that. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from the shocking discovery that Roy Nassani will not be in Formula 2 this year to uh, Campos and Isaac Hadjar and Pepe Marti. Marti, of course, fifth in F3 last year. Isaac Hadjar, one of the sort of surprise standouts from last year in F2, because, of course, he had that good spin in F1. Like, everyone's... Yeah, Hadjar is this interesting quantity for me because he reminds me a lot of Yuki in terms of there's probably an all right driver in there that potentially has a lot of potential, but he needs to calm down a lot, especially in his radio calls. From because I think that you're saying there about his F1 stint, and it did happen in in practice. But I'm more remembering last year 
if anything on track, it's the radio calls rather than anything he actually did during the races. So whilst he probably did enough on track, nothing's there standing out or for me. Whereas Pepe Marti had some quite decent standout moments in F3 last year. I'm thinking in Spa in particular, there were, I don't think it went to plan for him, but up until the point it didn't go to plan for him, it was really quite interesting to see him. And he had a lot of these flashes of brilliance over the course of the season. And it's nice to see him get the step up within the team that he was with in F3. Mm. Is there's a step up to it, but equally the whole sort of sudden call up to those FP1 sessions felt a bit last mm. minute. It felt a bit like Red Bull yeah. gone, oh, um, we need someone. You, their boy in the junior academy. Well, that, in, in, in the same way that it felt very random when Jake Dennis got in Abu Dhabi, it was kind of like, oh my God, have we fired too many of our younger drivers or have we put too many yeah. into Minardi already? Yeah, we've sort of we can't actually count them now because we kept firing people over and over again. We we've thinned the pool so much that we haven't actually got anyone. So, yeah, there'll be an interesting balance to see there. I think they could be quite close, Hajar and Marty. On off. the upside, though, I'll bring this point up for our F1 Academy pre- season preview. But they do now have three new drivers essentially in their pool. So FP1 session in Abu Dhabi, maybe for an Alcobasi sister. I'm going to call it now. Yeah, which one's got the Red Bull drive? Um, it's so it's bad we can't remember. Well, they're both. I feel like they're both. Really well, no, one of them. Alpha Tauri or Toro Rosso. Oh, yeah, but... Red Bull, and you've also got Emily. Yeah. Dickens. Why have I got balloons coming past <laughs> my Zoom? I think you clicked something. I didn't. I'm scrolling through my notes on a on a Google Doc on the <laughs> second window. I've been ambushed by balloons. Um, Please, can we cut that and use that for just a promotional reel for the episode? Just no context. No context, <laughs> undercut posting. Um, anyway, um, we'll come back to F1 Academy in due course, of course. But um, yeah, they've got better chances of finding someone to put into their F1 cars. I think mm. it's a big step up to go from what is essentially an F4 car to an F1 car in a practice session. I'd still like to see it. I'd We've like got two teams it. left, and first up is Trident, which has Richard Fashore and Roman Stanek, which I feel like both of these drivers are, going back to what we were saying towards the top of this episode, these are drivers where there is a lot of potential there. They've been around for a little while now, for sure, more so than Stanek in terms of translating that potential into results. He's had some very solid results, but they've just not been consistent over the course of the entire season, so I feel like this might be his last shot at doing something there and again potential fly in the ointment for everyone else because whilst they're all busy battling it out here's a driver that might not get the opportunity in as many races as he wants to because of the setup or maybe something he lacks as a driver in terms of not being as developed as some of these other ones are so when he gets the chances i'm thinking in you know, specifically because that's where he seems to shine that would be great for him to just be like i don't really care what you guys are doing I want this. If you want to beat me, you're going to have to prove that you are always better than I am, and I'll give you a good run for your money here. Mm. Vashaw's definitely got the drive to really push for things. I'm not still a little sort of underbaked on Stanek, but Richard Vashaw has definitely got certainly a, a lot to prove. I don't know whether Trident's going to be the team to prove that with, though. We well, did that is also a slight overfly yeah. in the ointment for the fly in the ointment. They were sort of very much a struggling team last year and only really scored any points because of Clement Novelak's win in Zandvoort, which itself was a bit of a Which fruit. itself you couldn't rely on happening yeah. if you were a betting uh, man. Like, despite being a big Clement Novelak fan, I will still admit that being a bit of a fluke. Um, and then, Talking of flukes. Yeah. Uh, well, I, one of them, I think, has earned their spot here a little bit more so yeah. than the other. I'll PHM, which used to be PHM Chevrous, is now PHM AIX, named after the investment firm. And we'll start with the positive stuff, which is Taylor Barnard, who has moved up from F3. He finished 10th place, which is a little lower down than we'd initially anticipate. But I think the annoying thing is when we can't criticise that as much as we want to now because of Kushmini. He's really yeah. ruined that for us. Not Kushmini, um, Villa Gomez. It's been it's been under no because mine last year in terms of oh yeah promoting someone from low down into up and it actually working out so tenth we're like oh we're not sure but he was a lot lower down he did a very good job so now we're kind of stuck in this weird thing of everyone has to live up to Cush's wait where did Cush finish in twenty twenty two oh like a lot lower down uh... really slated him last year was he in F three it would have been yeah. F three that yeah uh, Kush, he finished fourteenth. Okay, not as low down as I thought, but still lower than 10. Yes. 
But anyway, I think uh, Taylor Barnard, it sort of makes sense moving him up, giving him the chance to also learn it. I think this is really something that was maybe pushed by McLaren and their Formula E arm going, let's just get him into some slightly more powerful cars, People get him seem more to like to racing. The look of him and what he's got on there. And mm. you see some of these articles, particularly in the F on the F1 website, the feeder series from the podcast, Hannah wrote a piece there not too long ago about drivers to look out for over the next kind of five years or so. And he was on there and everyone's but everyone's like who? Why? What, what? What is it about him? But apparently, people seem to think he's got something. Which is if you were paying attention to, to Formula E testing, you'll mm. note he proved to be very quick, very competent, equally mm. very good at picking up like race programming as well. So with FE, it's very interesting how you have to run the car to obviously get the most power from it over a period of time. You don't just sort of go flat out all the time. The fact that he was very quick to adapt to that, adapt to the driving style and what it demanded of him seems to offer up more as a driver that way more than anything so while he might not become a racing driver he might fall down the route of being like a test and reserve driver for an f1 team while racing in formula e sort of a sam bird route which i think is far more interesting than anything else because it shows that he's got a breadth of talent that is deployable so i think getting him into f2 makes sense it's possibly a big step but i think he's also got the ability to absorb that unlike his teammate at phm timo was in F2 briefly last year, I want to say, but in no way briefly, I want to say. Mm. Um, I mean, find out for absolute certain now because I've been edit around that. No, he was not. Who am I thinking of then? There was Josh someone. Mason, Paul Aaron. Ah, Josh Frederick Mason, because this guy's Josh as well, isn't he? Uh, isn't he Frederick or? I thought it was Josh. Who the fuck am I thinking of? Oh, it is Josh. It's Joshua Dirksen. Yeah. Oh, phew. Okay. I put them as the same person because they both seemed questionable. We'll gloss over that, I think. Um, yes, Josh Dirksen, new to the team and seems to be the... Well, it's a very unknown quantity is the polite way I'm going to put that. Mm. But questionable as to how he's managed to get the step up into F2. Kimi Antonelli, we can understand to an extent why there's been such a gamble taken on him. It is less obvious for Dirksen. Yeah. We look at the 2023 Frecker Championship, which is where Dirksen competed with Arden Motorsports against Kimi Antonelli, who competed with, let me find the team, Prema. So obviously Antonelli is going to be with a good team. He's a recognised driver. Um, Points-wise, Andrea, Kimi Antonelli, 300 points. Bang. Really nice. Cool. Great stuff. Joshua Dirksen. Pause while I scroll all the way down to P19 for 26 points. So not even a tenth of the points. And he did get one podium, though. Credit where it's due. It was in round two at Spa. Um, but, I'd like to watch that race back to see the conditions. Yeah, it was one of his four point scoring occasions across the season. So again, unknown quantity, and just very much wondering how and why he got the call up into F2 rather than into F3. So yeah. there's not much we can say there because I feel like some drivers, we will have plenty of ammunition for later on in the season when it becomes apparent why they are there. And so we're going to be polite for now and nice, I think. We'll wait till we've got we the know that we'll probably be proven right later. Mm. Um, however, my delve into the 2023 season of Freca has unearthed the other Fittipaldi that is currently racing, which is yeah. Emerson M.O. Fittipaldi Jr., born 7th of March 2007. This oh, is, dear this Lord. This is a child. They're 10 years old. It's not 10, it's, it's 10 not 2017. It feels like that was only last year, though. He is 16 years old. The great thing is when you look at like his related to bit on Wikipedia, Emerson Fittipaldi, father. <laughs> Wilson Fittipaldi, uncle. Max Pappis, also race engineer, I believe, at Le Mans, brother-in-law. Pietro Fittipaldi, nephew. Enzo Fittipaldi, nephew. Uh, Christian Fittipaldi, cousin. So you're sort of looking at it going, ah, oh, he's very motorsport connected. Small wonder he has gotten into motorsports. <laughs> The other couple of bits of F2 news we've got, though, is that, as mentioned briefly earlier, Behrman will be the reserve driver for Haas alongside another Fittipaldi, Pietra. Uh, the 18-year-old will complete 
sit FP1 sessions as part of his role alongside competing in his second year of F2 with Prima, as we mentioned. So have these races been announced for certain that he'll be competing in sessions? ones that I've got on the list are pre- have been announced, I think they were announced by Haas uh, so they're pretty concrete, which is round 7 Imola, <laughs> round 10 Spanish Grand Prix, round 12 Silverstone uh, round 13 Hungary round 20 Mexican Grand Prix, round 24 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, I think also Abu Dhabi Grand Prix makes sense, he'll be there with F2 and then he's around mm-hmm. the young driver tests after. Mexico makes sense as well just because of that's where a lot of the teams did it last year. A lot of the teams do it last year. Usually championship is pretty much wrapped up by that point, so you're not losing out too much. So, yeah, interesting interesting pick, but obviously he's proven himself with a couple of drives last year, I want to say, in F1, where he did a couple of F1s. Yes. So I can't remember yes, which he ones he did. but um... I feel like he was also Mexico in Abu Dhabi, or potentially Cota in Abu Dhabi. That sounds about right, yeah. And equally, there is a new rule that is coming to Formula 2 and Formula 3, which is they're embracing sort of the IndyCar-style rule of if you are the sole cause of a red flag in a qualifying session, you're not permitted to take any further part in that session, and your fastest time might be deleted. Which is really good. This it sort of forces drivers to not act like pricks. Um, which in the and sort of... Tip that. Uh, which in the free-for-all sort of qualifying style sessions of F2 and F3 is actually quite an important thing. And often, again, as we've seen with a couple of other rules when we did our F1 sort of things you need to know for 2024 podcast, there seems to be a bit of a copying of rules that get worked into F2 and F3 and are found to work, but then often get transposed into F1. So I don't think it's too long until we see this move up. Um, take note, Sergio Perez. Um, but yeah, in F2 and F3, stroll, sure. Perez has been known to do similar. Um, so yeah, if um, you're found to be the sole cause of a problem in a session, a red flag period, um, yeah, there is every chance you might lose your qualifying time. Imagine if they'd applied that in 2021 with a certain house driver. Oh, that would have made the it's second half funny. of qualifying sessions quite interesting. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. But that um, is all the news we've got for Formula 2, but we're not done yet because we do have a whole lineup for Formula 3 to just go through quickly. There's less to talk about here in some ways because there are just so many unknown quantities. And despite the fact that we try and follow as much motorsport as we can, it is not possible for us yet to watch absolutely everything despite various attempts. So a lot of these drivers will be new to us for the first time. And that's not really a bad thing because I think. If you've got to F3, you should have hopefully done enough to prove why that is worthy. And if you haven't, we'll be able to notice pretty quickly. And especially as we like to, and I think we're doing more of that this year again, like we did with last year, have a bit of a focus on some of the drivers down towards the back of the field, where if you are quali- if qualifying is not your jam, but you make up 10, 15 positions in a race, you could still be P14, P15. And you don't get as much attention on you. I want us to try and focus a bit more on those drivers this year because they still show that in a race that they're not long races either. They've done a good bit of potential. They've got a good bit of potential there, and they're really learning their craft and potentially why they deserve a second season in F3. That being said, I will just launch straight into the first team here, which is Prima, where Dino Boganovic is. Back. He is the highest placed driver from last year's F3 field to stay put, finishing in sixth place last year with a decent points haul and a fair few podiums on his report card to back up his performance. And I was just scrolling back up to our F2 drivers there and I just realized how the hell did Villa Gomez get into F2, but Boganovic didn't? That I was already annoyed for Flush, and I completely forgot about Dean. I was like, Dean why is Or Gabrielli Mini. Gabrielli Mini had a fairly decent yeah. season last year there as well. There you go. Like, Can we just petition really and replace Dirksen, Cordiel, and Villa Gomez with Flush? Mini and Flush. Yeah. Can we not just do that? Can we have our own wild card as F1 Academy? We'll, we'll figure that out. But Beganovic is back anyway. But I think he's the favourite for the title with Mini, which potentially means in the team battle there, which would be a lot of fun. And we do have Arvid Lindbaut there, who I don't know if he's still associated with Red Bull. He was with them for a long time, was on their page at the very bottom with their go-karting drivers as drivers in their academy. But even if he's not 
he's still someone who's been on the radar for a little while. And whilst I don't want to say that Red Bull just take anyone, he should have shown them something for, in terms of potential. And Bremer also don't just take chances on random drivers, I want to say. So he is still an interesting the unknown quantity there. He is still in the Red Bull Junior Drive Academy, who I completely forgot until I clicked on their website, still has Omar Wasser, who I forgot is now in Super Formula. Mm. So um, best yes. of luck to him there. I forgot about, we were speaking about drivers that moved on from F2. So yeah, in F2, they've got Hajar and Marty are the F2 Red mm. Bull drivers. And in F3, they've Helga got... Helga left. Helga left. We've got Arvid Lindblad and Tim Tramnitz, Oliver Gertha and Kasper Stutz. Stuka, I want to take a bash of pronouncing that Polish surname there. I'm sorry, I've completely buzzed it up. Oh, there, yes. Yeah. Yes, no, I was looking at names elsewhere on the list and thinking this is going to be an interesting segment of the episode. But, um, we'll get We're to sorry in ones. advance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's looking like a decent team. And again, Prima, mm. have, uh, they're a good team and they get good drivers. And obviously, with Ganovic, Mini, and the Red Bull backed Lindblad there. It's it's good. And again, just looking at the F1 Academy lineup, which we'll get to in a separate episode, but that's also a decent lineup a strong, there as well. It's so. not decent. It's such a strong <laughs> lineup, man. They're going to dominate. I'm so ready for the F1 Academy Premier team, man. It's going to be good. Uh, we're it, getting ahead of ourselves. Bryden, meanwhile, yeah. have Fornaroli's back, which is nice to see. And then we've got Ramos and the third driver. Who You want me to say this one? It's French. Megatonot. Megatonot. Meg Tunif If you put the French accent on it, oui. it works. I'm so sorry to everyone whose name is on this but list. About to we know Good. decent driver, nice to see him back. The other two, we know very little, especially with the latter, because we don't even know how to say his name properly. But we will endeavour to do better on that over the course of the season. And again, I'm kind of happy keeping it like that because then we've just got a clean slate. We don't have any expectations. And I feel like everything you do in your motorsport career up until this point is all well and good, but now is the actual start of it. So yeah. you kind of go back to zero, like now prove why you should be here um, yeah, to all yeah. of us, because a lot of us won't have seen you before unless we're really embedded in everything as much as we'd like to be, which means you don't get to do day job, I don't get to do day job, all the rest of it, and we're just purely focused on all of this all the time. Yeah, we're bouncing um, around Europe watching Freco, we're watching yeah. Middle East Net 4, that sort of thing. So they, We've invented teleportation to get to everywhere in time to watch everything at once in multiple time zones. But they, they have come up from what is essentially an F4 rank. These guys we've mentioned, um, Santiago and Sammy, have come up from F, an F4 spec series, which is Freca. So it makes sense. They, they've proven themselves to be fairly decent by all accounts. If I pull up what last year's Freca was like, um, I think it was fairly decent. So there's every reason for them to be sort of tackling F4 three at this point in their career it makes them mm. to make that move i don't think it's beyond absurd at this point so i think it's quite fair they jump into this one formula regional and i want to go into formula regional european and their 2023 season so we're looking at results wise who are the two drivers i'm looking for ramos and the frenchman uh santiago ramos 10th place and the french one ninth place so again not terrible positions terrible. You look at some of the other drivers that are above them have been better sort of than a certain phm driver in formula 2 for example yeah yeah we we can we can say that with fair certainty we'll move on from trident to next on list is mp motorsport he says hopping between the two lists yes it is Thanks. and um tim tramnitz i'll another... let you take that one <laughs> Another Red Bull drive, uh, junior driver, I believe Tim is, and uh, yes, he is, and so is Katzper Stuka. Uh, I'm so sorry. You got um, it better the first time, I think. I've, I've, quite possibly. Uh, both of them Red Bull junior drivers. Both of them fairly decent drivers. MP does all right in Formula Three as well, so they've got a fairly good shot at things here. And they're joined by Alex Dune as well, Irish drivers. This is the first time in a little while we've seen an Irish driver make it into sort of the top triple flights of. Yeah, the only person I can think is Michael Fassbender, and even then, that's about half <laughs> because he's obviously got the German side of it, but he races under an Irish flag. Um, who was the guy that was next to Schumacher through the early noughties? Oh, that was uh, Eddie Irvine. Irish, though. That's very different. Ah, uh, true. I've upset 
I'm no, just, just going to say, don't you get into that argument for yourself. I'm not going to help you out of that one. Possibly upset more people there than simply mispronouncing names. But anyway, yeah, an interesting lineup there. Uh, Alex Dune comes to this from doing uh, British F4 and GB3. So um, some interesting sort of moves there. GB3 making a fairly sort of lateral transmission into proper FIA F3. So, yeah, a smart move there and a smart pick from MP Most Sports to round out their lineup, which takes Santa Campos, Timo. Yeah, Oliver Goth is back. We're happy about that. Sebastian Montoya back. Again, potential there. Mm. Some interesting points from last year, although now I can only think of the bits where it didn't go to plan. I'm thinking of certain races, but I'm not going to mention them because that's what I mean. And then also, actually, it's a full house of returning drivers, isn't it? Because Mary Boyer is mm. back as well. So, Mary Boyer, I don't know what's Mary... happening there. It's very odd. It's just it's a whole team of people we actually know and are potentially going to be harsher on this year because we have full season to measure them against from last year. And that's going to be interesting to see a inter-team battle there. Campos not a bad team. And they've all got experience. They've all got a bit of inter-team dynamics. They all want an F2 seat, potentially with Campos. Mm. And if they all want that, well, one of them is not going to get it. So they're yeah. either going to have to keep the pressure up on each other to make sure that they impress for other teams if they want to get to F2 or to make it absolutely clear to Campos that out of the three of us, I don't care who my teammate is, but you should definitely pick me. Mm. I think equally, three drivers that are fairly sort of level pegging as well when it comes to ability and sort of their driver mm. awareness. Like they are There's not any one driver who would automatically choose someone and be like, mm. oh, they're definitely going to be the team leader. Yeah, certainly thinking back to like the their good moments last year, I'd say their good moments are all as good as one another, and they're sort of the rest of their moments. And all came at different points in the season yes, as well. Yeah, Montoya, I know, was on for a really good result at Silverstone, but I think there was a botched strategy. So again, it was some stuff that often befalls them, wasn't their fault. So it's going to be interesting to see mm. what they're able to pull out the back this year. Moving ahead to a name that people will recognise, Luke Browning, and two that people might not. So we've got Martinius Stenshorn and uh, Which is a name. Or oh, there's worse yeah. part. Is that is that how we're going with that one? But that's how I think that's that's how I think that version of that name is pronounced. Yeah. Okay, Kieran Shields, uh, number sixteen, uh, for high tech. Uh, Luke Browning, of course, one upcoming driver, wasn't it for the British, dri uh, British yes, racing drivers? Title. Aston Martin from a couple of years ago. I think, wasn't yep. It? Uh, he had an old Aston Martin go around S F uh, around Silverstone. Martinez Stenshorn makes the move up from Frecker. And he had a fairly good time of things last year, actually. He came second last year so actually, and actually really took the fight to Antonelli. So it's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do in F3 compared to what Antonelli is doing in F2. Uh, there was a gap of 39 points between uh, Antonelli. It's not terrible when point. you attach all the connotations to Antonelli that he has. Yes, and if you look at the win rate, one, two, three, four five wins to one two three four five wins so wins a piece it's the it's a dead heat between Stenshorn and Antonelli so close at the top and uh, worth mentioning going back that Tim Tramnitz who we've already mentioned third place uh 239 so still not exactly a long way off in a season where you can quickly no. accrue and lose points so um yeah it's a it's a good team at high tech and again high tech is a fairly sound outfit so a good place for these boys to cut their teeth I'll let you take gender as well, because I think I've got an actual bits of information for all of VAR, so... Ah, okay, so... Jens Motorsport then, the Swiss outfit. Um, Max Esterson, I believe we've seen him in F3 last year, and... Um, yeah, he was he... with, um, I think, Jens as well, actually. Could well have been, yeah. Um, Charlie Wurtz, uh, again, is moving up from Formula Regional Oceana. Interestingly enough, so the Australian New Zealand edition of Freck. Um, and then we've got Matthias Zagazata. Zag Zagazata. Um, Zagazita, Zagazata. That's a fun game for you. That is not going to be an easy one to try and read out when there is a big crash of eight drivers and he is somewhere in the middle of it. That is going to be a point to stammer on. Um, 2021 British F4 Championship runner-up. So he is a fairly nifty little driver. And um, he's done a bit of racing in between. I should think he has also come from Frecker. Checks Frecker notes. Uh, and he's also Peruvian. And I don't know the last time we've had a driver in F3 or above from Peru, if ever. That is an interesting point. Okay, so he comes quite low down on the um, the, the list of Frecker drivers last year. Wurtz and Zagazata, um, Zagazata 
even they say to 22nd she's gonna have fun with that votes 26th so mm, quite quite low down on the list shall we say but interesting to say it's just nice to see someone from peru yeah well when do when can you get to say where's that driver peru we just don't when's when have you ever got to say that i wonder if someone on his wikipedia page there's like a link to peruvian motorsports drivers i might have to be a short page that's what i'm about to find out let's see if i scroll down to the bottom grand prix that is a nice sound to it uh Peruvian racing drivers. Peruvian Lima. Ah, ah. Peruvian racing drivers. Matias is on the list. Juan Manuel Polar. <laughs> Raul Orlandini. Are you Jorge... recognizing these names? Nope. Jorge <laughs> Kreklin, uh, Nicolas Fuchs, and Eduardo Dibos Chapui. So, um, yeah. Not particularly recognizable names, but at least that gives Matthias a chance to really stamp his name. Now, because I'm very intrigued now by this short list of drivers and how do we get a Peruvian Grand Prix? It's, uh, yeah. The, it just sounds nice. What's the capital of Peru? Lima. The Lima, Lima. Grand Prix. Yeah. I could go so there. A, if you're going to do a street circuit, do it in Lima. It sounds fun. Hmm. Anyway. Imagine it's at quite high altitude as well, so it'd be a bit like Mexico. We're, we're really should be just in charge of, of the calendar. One at this point. That's a separate thing. We'll too. move on to... VAR is up next. And uh, we talked about this a little bit with F2 already, but she's here. She's in a slightly better team than last year, which we will take. Sophia Flush is back and still part of the Alpine Academy, doing lots of training with all the drivers there. They had some nice kind of rocky montage kind of social media content over the winter of them all going to go and do training and bond with each other. I don't quite know why, but it seemed like a good idea. So why not? And uh, she will be joined by Tommy Smith, who was also in F3 last year. I don't remember him setting the world alight particularly, but I think he must have done enough to warrant his return there. And I don't call anything overly negative about his performance last year. So at least he wasn't crashing left, right and centre, I'm going to assume from that. And they're joined by an interesting prospect in Noel Leon, who is the Euro Formula Open champion from last year. So can we interesting to see what he can do? Because again, like a lot of the other drivers from Frecker from last year that you were saying about, especially it's just gonna be interesting to watch what they can do because obviously they're on a very similar level to Antonelli, but just don't have that star power, I wanna say, next to their name associated with it, but they're still proving very decent drivers and again. It's not easy to become Euro Formula Open champion. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with VAR. It's a step up on the grid in terms of it's not at the lower end, but it's going to be interesting to see what we can do with all of this. And again, it's it's like when you go from F3 to F2. We've seen it with Dennis Helga. Can you translate being a champion here to being a champion there? Or is there a bit of growing room in between? So that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch as that happens. And as well, Smith, second season, see what we can do there. Flourish, better team, hopefully with a better car. See if she can push that even further. Because again, we saw last year, give the right circumstances and throw a bit of jeopardy in there and she can really go for it. And it would be nice to see getting a seat in f2 in 2025 if it's with VAR or if it's with someone else yeah it's, it's definitely an interesting one like looking back at his score sheet from um the 2023 euro formula open championship it's not like mm. he clinched the title there 394 points ahead of kieran shields who we've already mentioned on this list who got 307 so this was a pretty good drive um francesco simonazzi is he moving up to f3 this year i can't remember um, no, he's Simonazzi. not on our list. It's a name that I recognise kicking around the bottom end of um, a variety of small European series. But yeah, Simonazzi close on the heels at 289 points. But yeah, Noel Leon really coming in coming in strong at the top end of this field, proving that he is a driver not to be trifled with, which we like. Um, so yeah, very interesting. And equally, he's used to competing against a mixed field. He was in the... Oh, I'm just Cal- sorry, you just said about... Um... There not being a massive gap between Shields and and uh, Leon, three hundred seven to three ninety four is a pretty big gap. I said there was a big gap. 
Oh, I like, thought you said there was um, a small gap. No, I, I, or if I did, I got it wrong. In which case, I meant to say there is a fairly sizable. Yeah, I don't gap. know what we're measuring that by. Yeah, he he was not to be trifled with in that series, and equally, he went on to the um, twenty twenty three, um, Macau Grand Prix, and didn't yes bad there either like this would be his first time racing around what is a difficult circuit and you look at the other names certainly around the top end of it it is big recognizable names browning right at the top dennis hauger gabrielli mini mari boyer pepe marty richard vashore isaac hajar zay maloney oliver gertha lawrence van herpen sophia flush roman stanek dan tickton tommy smith ugo chogu Ugo Ugo Chokwe, Christian Mansell, Matthias Segazeta, Marcus Armstrong, and then you get to Noel Lowndes. So there's a long list of really impressive, very talented racing drivers right up ahead of him. And he's not that far off the pace when it comes to competing against them around one of the most demanding circuits on the sort of feeder calendar. So another reason why the season of Formula 3 is going to be these give F2 a run for its money in terms of which one of these is going to be more exciting to watch. But either way, we're in for quite a good time. A very good time indeed. Um, Move towards ART Grand Prix, and we've got Christian Mansell back, and uh, Lawrence Van Herpen, who I've already mentioned in that quick rundown from uh, Macau, and Nicholas Solov, who is returning this year. He was here last year, I believe. So um, He's calmed down a bit as well. Mm, yeah, slightly energetic read as crashy. It's, it's quite interesting where you form the, the the list there. Christian Mansell, very easygoing, social media savvy, nice guy. Van Open, a bit of a middle ground kind of guy. And then you've got Nicholas Olof, who very aggressive on track last year and many a conversation topic for us both on and off the podcast. Yeah, so it's, it's a... Budapest in particular, he had some interesting um, manoeuvres. Quite possibly, I don't recall it to my mind, but yeah, certainly an interesting lineup at ART in Formula 3 and some drivers to keep an eye on for good and mixed reasons. We'll keep it positive at this point in time. Timo, would you like to tell us about the driver lineup for <laughs> PHM? Oh, I'd love to. We've got Nikita Pedrin, who's yeah. back, who um, I think had kind of unremarkable-ish season last year but again PHM we're not they're still kind of finding their feet in a lot of ways they kind of no not quite as bad as Alpine in the sense of we'll keep resetting our 100 race plan but mm. they keep kind of doing that so I think they need at least they've got consistency here with this driver um they've got Dufek who I believe is a new signing I don't recognize the name um and then we have the driver of Vasak. I want to pronounce that as, who mm. is an unknown to me as well. And um, I just hope he does really well because then it's going to force everyone in commentary to have to learn how to pronounce that and give him the credit that he's due. Yeah, uh, Tanis, Tasanapol, I think it's Tasanapol. Yeah, Tasanapol Ithrafusak is his full name. He, weirdly enough, he's short. Ithrafusak. Yeah. Ithrafusak. There we go. Shortened his first name to turn, conveniently. Um <laughs> I, yeah, you probably don't. Sort First of, name beginning with a T, does it? Yeah, I'm going to call him Ti. Ti. That sounds that sounds like a decent enough nickname. Um, yeah, decent little racing career. F4 UAE, some really competitive runs there, and then British F4 Championships. Again, nothing terrible, but nothing truly noteworthy there either. 2023, he was in. Um, Formula Regional Middle East, and last year he dabbled with Euro Cup 3, so he's been in a lot of different racing series and really sort of has cut his teeth a bit more. Did better in um, Formula Regional Middle East at the start of this say, year, as sort of a, a warm-up to F3. To give PHM some credit, I feel like it's important they still be part of the grid in the same way that Stake and, let's say, Minardi are in in F1 and why they kind of prove their worth in terms of they at least give drivers a chance to try their hand at something and if they're good the other teams will snap them up um as we've seen with Flush for example mm. and, and or like others. when we had Manor in F1 and it was the place that yeah. gave Van Ock on his start sort of thing yeah yeah and yeah exactly so I think that whilst we do kind of ridicule them a little bit, they do have a good purpose in this sport and they do add to an interesting and rich history that the category does have. And you kind of, you prefer to have a 30 car field than a 27 car field because saying it's got a 27 Real car number. field sounds a bit weird. 
you felt feels like you yeah, sort of felt just better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's PHM, and we'll move on to the final team, which is Rodin Motorsport, who've got Joseph Loke, uh, Peter Wisnicki, and Callum Voisin, or Vozin. I'm going to assume it's pronounced something along those lines. Um, Peter Wisnicki is the only one that's really known on that field, interesting enough, the Polish driver who was teammates with Sophia Flush at one point last year, I want to say. Yeah. So he's uh, at Rodin. Him and Bedrin, I think it was. Yes. It was the three of them at PHM, I want to say. So... Um, Again, a fairly interesting lineup. Two thirds of them relatively unknown to us, certainly. Obviously, if you've been used to following the formula, but with fresh history before. and kind of strong-ish history from wherever they came, if it wasn't Frecker, mm. I think is fair to say. Let's check my uh, Frecker list. See if any of them show up. Uh, no, in in a word, uh, they 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 have not. So where are they coming? Again, it's a nice blend from, throughout the entire field of returning faces, both with Winter to Prove and potential that we know they have. If you look at Kramer in particular, and then you've got all these unknown quantities. If we take it as a clean slate from here on out, but with strong backgrounds, as you're about to emphasise with the Roving Boys. Yes, both of them coming from GB3 Championship, which is interesting. Which is it's an interesting move to make over, certainly. Um, Voisin, mixed British-Swiss nationality, hence the reason why he's got the slightly sort of, uh, Franco-Swiss surname there. Um, also dabbled in 2021 Ginetta Junior Championship, famously, which was mm. where Lando Norris cut his teeth as well. So, And it's definitely a good proving ground for getting ready for single-seaters. Yeah, it's proven its worth sort of as a as a feeder series and a formation series to sort of get you used to driving and racing in close quarters. So they could be two drivers worth keeping an eye on, especially when it comes to the slight more battley races. Um, mm, it's an interesting lineup. It's thirty drivers. It's ten. Well, it's uh, ten teams. Plenty to keep an eye on. Um, if you had to pick one that stands out to you, who's it going to be? And you can't pick Sophia Flourish. It's got to be one of the Prima drivers then really because it's it seems very want to go Boganovic but yeah I mean I remember when we were all getting pretty excited about him and it seems that he's not been hard done by by Antonelli by him jumping over F3 into F2 but it feels like that should have been his seat in a lot of ways so I hope he goes well this season and at least gives everyone a bit of pause for thought to go I'm still here guys and I'm really not that bad actually so yeah okay Kimmy's hopefully going to do decently as well in his own race racing in Formula 2 but I'm I'm here as well and I reckon I could give him a good run for his money and I think a lot of the other drivers who were close to him or as close as you can be in, in Freca will be wanting to do the same so I think it's going to be a very tight championship and hopefully a bit like 2022 when it went down to that final race and everyone was kind of like this is madness and mm. when did we have this in f1 last it's been a while guys yeah i think if i'm going to pick my driver to keep an eye on i'm going to go a little bit left field and go luke browning the high-tech driver mm-hmm. not bad call that spotted maybe. something i want to see what he gets up to i'm not putting this as like pressure on him to win the championship off the bat but I'm to be honest to... i don't think he knows who you are jesse so i don't think you're going to take it too personally yeah I, i'll take that one <laughs> but I want to sort of see an improvement across the year. I think we're going to certainly see that. We're going to see a drive from him. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a podium. I wouldn't be surprised if we see, like, no. if he's there ready to capitalise in a crazy race and he takes a podium from I it. I say you get one of those Austria from last year, Budapest the year before kind of thing, where you need a little bit of luck on your side just to propel you. Because like I was saying earlier, I want to focus a lot more on those drivers towards the back where if the qualifying isn't great for them, but they make a lot of progress, but it's just not enough a wet race or a crazy race is perfect then to get them that extra bit into the points then. A hungry 2022 Luke Browning for the win. You heard it here first, folks. And it's a perfectly... One in 30 chance. <laughs> One in 30 chance. It's a perfectly crazy prediction to end this on. We will we'll have some F1 Academy news um, in due course. We're waiting on some more drivers to be announced, but we have got notes for it. We've got all the details on who's moved on to where. We've got their super license points because there's new rules for that. The wild card seat, who's coming in for that? Two-year cap. We have got all those notes written, but we want to give it its due proc course with um, the remaining drivers to be announced. Interestingly, they have done um, like a driver media training and sort of presentation training course seemingly short of a few drivers. 
Um, yeah, I did see. I did think that like, every day is a school day. He's just off sick. Then <laughs> we just don't count them. The, the, yeah, they won't get the hundred percent attendance record. But there's some great news coming from F1 Academy. Really interesting seeing how it's forming up ahead of the season. So we will be shining a light on that in due course. In the meantime, Timo, where can the people find you? You can find me over on, on the curbs. Is it fast? Paddock Priority and Instagram. Oh, and the Nitro RX podcast. We've got some stuff cooking over there, which we'll be dropping at some point over the next month or two, as there's a massive gap between rounds there. So we just want to make sure we have some consistency for a change. Jesse, what about yourself? I can be found on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter as at Jesse on Cars. And you can also find me writing for Classic Car Weekly. Go pick up a copy of that. It's always a good bit of fun. I'm out rotesting rally cars in the latest issue. And with that, we'll be back in short order with uh, hopefully a preview of the Bahrain Grand Prix, the opening rounds for F1, F2, and F3. And um, oh, we've also got some season predictions still to come. That because we've got season predictions and testing. Yeah, well, I forgot about testing. We probably won't delve too much into <laughs> testing because no one really shows their true colours in testing. But we do have season predictions. So if you actually want to make some season predictions, um, we have a link somewhere in our social media feeds. Go find it, click on Maybe it. Maybe even out. the description to this episode as well. Maybe even to the, at that point as well. Yeah, scroll down, click on it. Fill out who you think is going to win the championships, championship orders, and you'll be competing against us, the hosts of this podcast, and Ellie May, she is included in that bracket. Um, so, yeah, that is your chance to compete against us in a predictions competition. There might also be a link to join our F1 Fantasy League. So um, have a lot of fun with that. And we will be back after testing with some predictions and hopefully a preview of the Bahrain Grand Prix.